Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, hey, everyone. My name is Pastor Mark Coulter. I'm from the Valley Troy, and we're just really glad you're with us today. Well, this is a series we're calling Sit With It. And today's the third week uh, of this series. We talked about two weeks ago, what should our response be to the political and social issues of the day? So I'd encourage you to uh, go back on our Facebook page or our YouTube channel, check that out. Last week, uh, Pastor Lindsay talked about prayer and God answering prayer and how does all that work? And she did an incredible job uh, teaching and explaining that. So go check those out too. But today's question is this, is anything certain? Is anything certain? Well, that's a good question. (laughs) And so uh, there's a lot going on that seems uncertain. It seems like the more I read, the more I uh, even have dialogue with people, we seem like, man, what is certain anymore? You know, it it just seems kind of like this elusive kind of uh, wet salamander that we can't catch, right? It just kind of get in our grips and it gets away from us. So I'm gonna address that today. Is anything certain? Well, have any of you ever had someone tell you, hey, I'm gonna be right over, and you're like really looking forward to it, you can't wait for them to come over, but then it takes them a long time to get over, and for whatever reason, finally they show up, and you kind of have mixed emotions, right? When that door opens and they come in, you're like, you're so glad to see them, you're so happy that you're there, but yet you're frustrated that it took them so long to get there. Well, to me, the second coming of Jesus is very much like that. I'm really excited to, you know, spend all eternity with him. If you're a Jesus follower, that's the promise that we have. But yet I'm frustrated because it, when's that going to happen? And, you know, we don't know when it's going to happen and all that kind of uncertainty. You know, I've heard um, all kinds of preaching and teaching on the second coming over the years. There's books out there. There's one guy that sold millions of books, and he was predicting that Jesus would return in 1986, and obviously that didn't happen. And then there was another guy that said in 1988, this is when Jesus is definitely coming back. And then he noticed as the day got closer that his calculations were a little, a little long or a little wrong, and so he added, he said he was off a year, so it's going to be 1989. Well, that didn't happen. And of course, if you were alive on January 1st, 2000, right? Everyone said, you know, a lot of people said, Jesus is coming back then. And as it's played out, they've all been wrong. Well, it's been over 2000 years and we're still here, aren't we? People are being born, people are going to college, people are getting married, people are going to the afterlife, and yet Jesus still has not come back. So, so why don't we just set this whole thing of Jesus coming back off to, to the back burner and just live the light, our lives as best as we can? Uh, why don't we just kind of loosen up a bit and just kind of let our lives go on and just like, ah, forget that. Let's just live our life. Seize the day, if you will. Well, back in the days of the apostle Peter, there was a very similar conversation going on. See, Jesus had told them, right? I'm going away. I'm going to heaven, I'm going back to my father, but I will return. And, but he hadn't. And so even though that was only a few you know, decades after the fact, 
they were still having this frustration, these questions saying, well, he's not coming back. You say he's coming back, but he's not coming back. He's not coming back. He, it's not really going to happen. Let's just live our life. Let's just eat, drink, and be merry. That's actually a, a, a phrase that originates in the Bible. And so they're doing all this thing. And Peter kind of grabs their attention, if you will, and says, no, that's not right. We need to start paying more attention. He said, some people, you just don't get it. See, if Jesus or excuse me, if God created the universe and then there was a flood and God's judgment came on the universe, then he has the power to bring back his son and judge us again. Like he's telling them, quit just thinking this isn't going to happen. Now, when people hear about the second coming and preaching on the second coming, there's some group of people who are like, yes, this is, I can't wait. This is awesome. This is what I live for. Every seminar I can go to, every book I can read, everything I can pick up, I just soak it in. I want to learn the graphs. I want to learn the timetables. I want to kind of make my own prediction. I might not say it verbally, but I'm going to make my own prediction and, or, and all that kind of stuff. And then there's other folks who are watching today and you're like, ho-hum, you know, like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'll be honest, like, I just care about paying my bills right now. Um, Jesus coming back is like, you know, low on my totem pole, especially right now, right, with everything we have going on in our lives. And so, but I think the better question that we need to be asking is not when is Jesus coming back and why is he coming back, but the question is, what's the holdup? Why hasn't he come? What's stopping him from coming back? And Peter actually said this, and you know, he said, well, God's on a different timetable. He's not late, and he, he's not slow. But here's the deal. People matter so much to Jesus. He wants as many people to get right with him as possible, and right with him to be right with the Father, with a perfect and holy God. That's, I think, what part, or maybe the whole holdup is. See, the holdup is love. Love is holding him back. Love is holding him back on something that is certain. You want to, that's why I'm addressing this. What is certain? Well, there's a lot of things that aren't certain. I can't tell you what is actually certain and what is not in a lot of the things in the world because what I think is going to be certain in a couple months is probably not going to be certain. I just can't do that. And so when I, I saw this question and when I decided to address this question, I was like, I'm going to pick the one thing I know is certain. Jesus will return. Jesus will return. But what's keeping him back is his love for humanity. He wants to see as many people as possible come into a relationship with him. And so if you're watching today and you don't have a real personal relationship with Jesus, what's keeping you from doing that? What is essentially holding you back? Newspapers, I don't know if you ever knew this or not, but newspapers use a type of font for the major biggest events in the history of the world. And interesting enough, that type of font used for only the biggest cataclysmic events is called second coming type font. Second coming type font. It's a type of font that was used when JFK was assassinated. It was a type of font that was used when, World, when Pearl Harbor was, was bombed. It was the type of font when 9-11 happened. And it's called second coming thought. It's that kind of type that kind of just grabs you by the throat and says, read me, follow me. Check this out. You don't want to miss this. I think it's interesting that they don't call it like big news type or major headline type. They call it second coming type. Why? Because the second coming 
is the biggest event that will take place in all human history. I'm going to say that again. The second coming of Jesus is the biggest event that will take place in all human history. See, Peter's next words that I'm going to show you here in just a second are second type thought. Now, I want to give you this statement, and I'm going to come back to what I mean by this statement. But the statement is this. Everything is red tagged. Everything is red tagged. You'll see it on your screens in front of you. Everything is red tagged. Hang on to that. I'm going to come back to it. But today we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 3. So if you have your YouVersion uh, Bible app on your phones, I'd encourage you to get it out. You can actually go to events and then pick the Valley Troy. And then every Sunday you'll see we have everything in that one-stop shop. So I'd encourage you with that. A lot of you I know are reading the Bibles a lot more consistently because you're using that app and your phones are always with you. So I applaud you for that. It's been a huge help for me in staying consistent in reading the Bible too. In 2 Peter 3.10, he says, But the day of the Lord, in other words, the day of Christ's return and his judgment, will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. So why bother with this second coming thing? The answer is that Jesus, God's patience is not going to last forever. God is love and he's mercy, but he's also justice and he's also fair. Notice that it says this. It says, the day of the Lord will come. Didn't say may come, might come. The day of the Lord will come. In other words, Jesus' return is a certainty. It will happen. And then he goes on and says, like a thief. Now, what he means by that is simply this. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be sudden and it's going to be unexpected, just like a thief. That's what, he's, that's what Peter is referring to here. And then he says this, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. And I got one simple word to explain what he's talking about there. He's saying it's going to be catastrophic. This is going to be a second coming font event. It's going to be a big thing. Actually, one person suggested that everything we buy ought to have a little red tag that we put on it that says, soon to be burned, soon to be burned. That's why I was talking about red tagged. Everything should be red tagged. Everything in our life, we need to look at it through this lens other than people that it's not coming with us. It is staying here. It made me think of my favorite baseball bat growing up. Now, if you know me, you know I love baseball. So not everyone looks forward to getting baseball bats for birthday presents and for Christmas, but I sure did. And my favorite baseball bat ever was called the Easton White Heat. And you'll see a picture of it there pop up on your screen. But the Easton White Heat, this thing was a beast. I think it was a 34-inch, 31 uh, 31 ounce. It was back when you could have a three and five, two and five eighths inch uh, barrel and, uh, and a drop weight and all that. It was, it was a beast. And actually I found one on eBay for $22. I'm like, it made me so sad, but maybe I'll just buy it. I need my white heat. But what do you think, and where do you think that white heat bat is today? It's like a lot of things. It's probably in a bunch of pieces in a garbage dump somewhere, right? Why? Because everything we have is red tagged. That's why Peter tells us to think about what is ahead. See, he knows how easy it is for us to slip into chasing after things that are just temporary, that are really meaningless in the big scheme of things, things that will essentially burn up. And he's trying to get us to get a whole new perspective. Same with the first century people he was talking to, and then it's applicable to us today. Those who had lost sight on the most important thing, being ready for the most important thing, which could happen at any time. 
And he's trying to refocus their perspective and we're trying to refocus our perspective through what he's telling them to put our priorities in right. Live in light of Jesus' sudden return, his potential eminent and sudden return. See, we get all concerned with times and graphs and is it pre-tribulation? Is it mid-tribulation? Is it post-trib? Is, it, is there a millennial reign? Is it amillennial? We get into all these conversations or all these different discussions. And of course, we all think we're right with whatever our perspective is. But Peter is telling us that should not be our concern. That is not the concern. We are to live in light of Jesus' eminent return, not to worry about all the other things, but to remember that he said he's coming about coming back, and it could be at, at any time. In other words, we are to be concerned with when, excuse me, typically we are concerned with when, but Jesus is concerned with how we are living. Instead of being concerned with when, how about we start becoming concerned with how? How are we living right now? So how should we live our lives today? Well, Peter goes on in second. Peter 3 and tells us, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? He says, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. In other words, he's saying live godly and holy lives. In other words, everything's red tagged. (laughs) It's going to be burned. But we are to be holy. Now, holy simply means this. It means to be set apart. It means to be different. It means to be uncommon, unique, distinct, and special. That's what that word actually means. And it made me think of my favorite coffee mug here. This is my favorite coffee mug given by my kids. My first, um, I think, Father's Day gift for my kids called the best pop ever. Our kids are, are from South America where they call Daddy Papa. Now they're more Americanized, so they call me Daddy. But best pop ever. Now, this is a holy mug. But it's not a holy mug because I drink coffee out of it. Actually, I'm one of those few in our society who doesn't like coffee. have had two sips in my life, don't really care for it. But it's set apart. It's unique. It's mine. It has a distinct purpose that I use for it. It means something really, really special to me. See, when he's talking about living godly and holy life. That's what he's talking about. It's not being hyper-spiritual or goofy or anything like that. But we are to be a set-apart people if our follower of Christ. We are to be set-apart and living uniquely after Jesus. Let me put it this way. What if I addressed it this way and said, how would you live your life differently if you knew that Jesus was going to return in six months? How would you live your life differently if you knew Jesus was going to return in six months? Some people I talked to said, well, they would buy a Humvee and put it on a six-month balloon payment. I thought that was pretty clever and funny, right? No, that's not quite what I'm talking about. How would you live your life differently if you knew Jesus was coming back in six months? I jotted down a few things. Would you pray differently or maybe more or at all? Would you take the Bible with greater importance and greater necessity? Would you worship more intentionally and more heartfelt? Would your relationships all of a sudden become much more critical? Would your priorities be sharpened? Would you move quickly to resolve your marriage issues? Would you make sure 
to forgive the person that you have animosity against? See, being holy is not about being perfect, but it's about being, becoming clean when you and I fail. See, if we lived under this pretense that Jesus was coming back in six months, I think it would change everything of how we live. We would start treating people the way we would have want to be treated. We would start caring for those who are hurting a lot more. We would be bothered when there's injustices happening around us. I don't think we would concentrate as much on our needs because we would want to be holy. We would want to be in right standing. We would want to be set apart. We would want to live an uncommon life. We would want to be so that God knew that we were right with him. I think actually we would live by a different, totally different set of blueprints than the rest of the world around us. We would have different values. And those values would come from God and and God's word, the Bible. We would pursue God's unique calling in our life. And so that is a question I ask you today is what is God's purpose for you? What is he calling you to do? See, he's already written into you and to me our different gifts, our different passions, our different abilities. They didn't get there by accident. He put them in you. But if you'll take the time to discover what they are, God will do something special in and through your life. Your life will have a great purpose. And one last thing, because we knew that Jesus was returning in six months and we knew that everything that we had is red tagged, I think we would start praying our hearts out for those who were lost, for our family and for our friends and for our coworkers and for our neighbors, wouldn't we? It would bother us so much, I sure hope it would, that it would bother us so much that people would be eternal, eternally separated from him, they would essentially receive the eternal red tag that we would just start praying our hearts out. We would do whatever it took to try to get them into right relationship or for them to make that decision to follow Christ. See, Peter says, Jesus' return is certain. It will happen. You can count on it. If there, is there anything certain in this world? You better believe it. Jesus is coming back. And it says he's going to come like a thief. It's going to be unexpected. It's going to be sudden. And he's saying it's going to be catastrophic. For those who don't love and serve him, it will be the worst thing ever in this world. They will be eternally separated from him. A lady once told her pastor that she wanted to be buried with a fork in her, in her hand. He's like, well, why do you want to be buried with a fork in your hand? She said, when I was a little girl, we had Christmas dinner. My mother would always say, save your fork. The best is yet to come. Save your fork. The best is yet to come. See, for a forgiven follower of Jesus, his return is not one of fear or anxiety. Rather, we are prepared. Why? Because the best is yet to come. Can you say that today? Can you say from, your, from a pure, honest, reflective, from the, you know, your gut level that you know that you know that the best is yet to come? Notice what he said. He said this in 2 Peter 3. He said, you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming. In other words, you're like a kid on Christmas morning. You're ready for it. You're ready for it to happen because you know that that's the eternal reward. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. You'll see it on the screen. 
This is talking about the second coming of Christ. It's from the book of Revelation that the Apostle John had right towards the end of the Bible, one of the last chapters in the book of the Bible, or in the whole Bible. It says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse. Let these words sink in as you're listening. Whose rider is faithful and true. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And get this, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has written this name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want to ask you a question, probably the same question that's been asked tens of thousands of times in human history. Are you ready for Christ's return? Are you ready for Christ's return? This morning, we're going to receive communion together. And I would encourage you, if you're at home with us or doing the valley at home with us, that uh, you grab your elements that you have with you. Um, some of you maybe don't have the actual element. You can grab some bread or some juice. I'll give you a quick second to do that. But while you're doing that, when we receive communion, I think we come back to this question. Are you ready for Christ's return? Now you're like, well, Mark, when we receive communion, aren't we remembering and celebrating what Jesus did on the cross? Yes. But because of what he did on the cross and because he rose again from the grave, the story continued, the mission continued to when he told his disciples, I'm going back to the Father, but one day I'll return to come get you and get all of those who are in right relationship with me. And so I think it is very fitting that today that we receive communion together. And I'm going to come back to that question. Are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus' return? Because if you're not, you can be. You can get ready. And it's as simple as this. It's acknowledging that Jesus' death on a cross was the substitute for my sin and for your sin. The only way you could be made right with a perfect and holy God was that the perfect, and whole, perfect sacrifice had to die as a substitution for the sin that you and I deserve to die for. And so because Jesus died on that cross, you and I now have the opportunity, as the Bible says, to become children of God, to become his sons and daughters. We can be adopted into his forever family. We are no longer aliens we are no longer unrighteous, but we can be made righteous. We can be in right standing with God. Do you want to make that decision today? Today's the day to make that decision. I'm going to pray shortly, but we're going to receive these elements. Jesus was with his disciples at last night. And he, he took the bread. And you can go ahead and take the bread now. And he said, guys, this bread represents my body which is going to be broken for you. Every time that you receive the elements together for the rest of human history, don't ever forget this, that I paid the penalty for your sin. I'll let that sink in right now, the heaviness and the weight of that, and also the awesomeness 
of what Jesus has done for you. And he said, when you take this, remember me. Would you take this together, please, today? And in the same way, he, the Bible says he took the juice and he looked at him and said, guys, this, this represents my blood, which is gonna be shed on Calvary for you. And because of my shed blood, it's gonna usher in a new covenant. And that you can be made right with me by putting your faith and trust in me alone. And it's by grace that you are saved by faith, not, not by any work so that no one can boast. See, it's by faith because of God's grace, his free gift of salvation that he gives to us. And he said, when you take and receive this together, remember that my blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Let's take and receive this together today too. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we remember that you're coming back, that your son is coming back. There's a lot of things in this world that aren't certain right now. We're not sure where all our jobs are gonna be maybe in six months. There's some people who aren't certain about how they're gonna pay their next bill. There's others not certain about what does school look like. What are they going to do with their kids? There's so much uncertainty in this world. But you tell us, take heart, for I have overcome the world. And we can rest in that certainty that Jesus will come back, that all things wrong in this world will eventually be made right. And if you're listening today, today could be a day that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, the one who makes you right and the one who becomes the leader of your life. And it's as simple as this. It's acknowledging that your sin broke the relationship, that you're guilty. You are guilty as charged. But yet because of your freedom that was purchased by Jesus Christ on the cross, that that guilt, that guilty sign, that guilt on your heart, that guilt on your mind can be erased. And I think a lot of you right now are living under incredible guilt and shame. I even sense right now some of you watching have so much shame and you, you, you are so just, you feel like you are worthless. And I want you to hear this today, and this is Jesus, not me. He's saying, you are worthy. You were so worthy that I sent my son to this earth to die a gruesome death so that you could be made right with me. That's how much I love you. Would you commit your life to Christ today? Would you repent of your sin, turn away, turn around, and fully charge after Jesus? Father, thank you for meeting us today. We are better because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. For joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.